This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatane by Muera Karatai. Kia ora, Muera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. How was your wild weekend? Oh my gosh, the wind and the rain, and um, but the sun came out and it ended up not being too bad in the end. How was yours? We seem to... It wasn't a nice weekend by any stretch of the imagination, but it, we seem to be getting, or we seem to have got the edge of it. So, so that's all right. But too rotten to go for a swim, unfortunately. But who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce Sanjaneur Hut Tortuwer. Kia ora. Sanjaneur, did I say your name correctly? Perfectly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Welcome and thank you for joining us today. So who is he, Mawera? Uh, Sanjana is a research fellow at Tapunaha Matatini. Welcome, Sanjana. Welcome. Where are you, Sanjana? Right now I'm in Otago, in uh, Dunedin. It's a very nice place to be. I've been here since March 2018 when I came to the university to do my PhD and uh, haven't left yet. (laughs) (laughs) It has that hold on people. Uh, That and the pandemic, I would imagine, (laughs) together. (laughs) Though I would agree with you that Dunedin's hold on people predates the pandemic and is much more, much more pleasant. Dunedin has a new marketing slogan, which hopefully will last for a while. Uh, Our new marketing slogan is Dunedin, no places of interest. Well, I mean, I hope that the longevity of that marketing slogan holds. So what was your PhD on? Social media and uh, political violence, looking at where I come from, which is Sri Lanka, but also a chapter devoted to how it played out after the March 2019 Christchurch massacre here in Aotearoa. Cool. What led you to that? Which one? The No, to the, the, the whole concept of working in that space. I, I've been working in this space for nearly 20 years. So the doctoral research was a reflection on two decades of work um, around the world, but also particularly looking at Sri Lanka. As it turned out, all of the data that I came to Dunedin with, thinking that I'll examine, turned out to be moot because my country threw up um, almost consecutively challenges that led to, in real time, engagement with what was going on, as well as, as you can imagine, upon further reflection and academic inquiry, 
chapters in my thesis. And with regards to the chapter on Christchurch, I mean, nobody could imagine coming in 2018 that that would be something that would be, uh, you know, what one would be looking at, you know, that warranted research even. Um, but as it turned out, um, I pivoted my research frameworks, which were devoted to Sri Lanka very quickly to examine and capture and analyze and interrogate and figure out what was going on after the attacks. And uh, that led to a chapter, really, um, that's, uh, to my knowledge, the first in our Therawa, looking at uh, how uh, and by whom uh, and using what kind of vocabulary the aftermath of the massacre played out on Twitter. It's certainly a an interesting and contested space at the moment. We hear about, well, it's connected to the fake news, it's connected to... Uh, well, to, to to slacktivism, to clicktivism, it's it's a it's a fast moving and and a space that has far reaching implications. You've answered your own question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the simple answer is yes. Um, except that I think for for listeners, it might uh, be useful to know that uh, those terms are contested, and the important thing to recognize and realize is that social media is not the same the world over, uh, which might be something strange for people to hear, because you would think as of Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or LinkedIn or, 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 or whatever that you use as one platform that is the same for everybody the world over, but it's not really. Uh, and that's what we always try to say it depends on your identity, on your location, on the language, on a range of other factors, whether you're a woman, man, lesbian, gay, straight, um, in Dhaka or Doha or Delhi or Colombo or Dunedin. Uh, these things play a significant role in how you can engage and how you end up engaging and how you are also framed on these platforms. Um, which I suppose uh, is 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 after you know whistleblowers coming out of Facebook and and other media coverage a bit more known right now, but um, this is a I mean it's frightening on one level, but it's also supremely fascinating because we are living through you and I all 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 of us on this program and those listening in as well. Whether or not you are on it, we are living through a fascinating time that's unprecedented in media and communications history. There's a there's a there's a lot to talk about. Um, there is, as I said, lots that's disturbing, but also a lot that's positive, um, simultaneously playing out on these platforms. I was exactly going to ask that question about that that tension between the positive and yep. the negative, because I was my daughter was yesterday talking about a house plants community and, and my wife was at a school reunion which was organized by through facebook and i was connecting with my primary school friends in the uk on the same platform as the the violent extremism but those two things don't tend to come into contact or do they come into contact it's just that we're in our little boxes so we don't notice it's hard to give generalized answers. You may compartmentalize them quite well. And as I said, it re really requires you to understand how these platforms are used and by whom and for what purposes, in which context and around what topics. So there are a whole range of things, both technological, but also 
societal and sociological and political that influence the manner in which uh, these platforms are used or abused for antisocial or pro-social uh, means and ends and outcomes. Um, my thesis really contested the Western narrative, which is to see it as all evil, uh, which is an easy narrative because, I mean, that's at the end of the day, we, I mean, most viewers would, would recognize this narrative because that's kind of what the media focuses on. And I'm not saying that that is untrue or false. In fact, if anything, I would say that a lot of what's come out in our Aotearoa and in the Western media today has been our lived and negotiated realities for many, many years before. It's just that people of my color and from my region and the global south weren't uh, figuring in those narratives until it hit home and went home to roost, either with Brexit or the 2016 American election or the 6th of January Capitol Hill insurrection uh, or other harms that we see in our Aotearoa today. Um, so it's a, it's a complicated answer, but generally speaking, for somebody like you, uh, you would be able to compartmentalize it. And that's, you know, that's fine. I mean, my sister, for example, has a home bakery business that's entirely run on Instagram. She would not be able to do it without Instagram and WhatsApp. I mean, you know, there are millions of small and medium price enterprises, you know, uh, medium sized enterprises that rely on just Facebook product and platform services alone. Uh, the, I'll, I'll end by saying that what we are seeing, I mean, again, this is you know, at great violence with the complexity of it, but what we are seeing now here in our Aotearoa is what was parenthetical and peripheral and limited, say, to what one would have earlier identified as right-wing extremist communities, which you and I, you know, maybe not you, but you know, most users wouldn't really engage with or be interested in or would be appalled by. What we are seeing is that they're seeping in. There's a, there's a porous border. Um, and in, in, it's been imbricated, you know, for, for those who do gardening, it's like bonsai and inosculation. It's like a wine uh, that's embracing itself through uh, around a, a dominant narrative such that you can't now not escape it. It's really present. Sometimes it's even center and forward in, 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 in communities which you would not associate with right-wing extremism. For example, communities that are debating and discussing vaccinations which I suppose everybody listening in would, would, would agree that in a democracy should be something that is discussed openly, robustly, critically. However, it's been sort of hijacked at pace with the kind of voices that you really don't want in that room, who represent something quite harmful, uh, who represent uh, a future or an outcome or an argument or a perspective that is really disrespectful, vulgar, venomous, vicious, xenophobic, racist, and every other imaginable harm that you can think of. And that is something that is being uh, assisted by algorithms on social media, but also, as I said, more complicated socio-technological reasons as well. That social media isn't designed to amplify that or is it a consequence of what it oh. is designed for oh no social media is designed to amplify what is the most viral at any given point of time we know this through haugen um we know i mean when i say we i suppose listeners here would know this through francis haugen who was the whistleblower last year who made headline news the world over for what she revealed around that which gives life and voice to Facebook's product and platforms 
in the amplification of content. And very often it's what goes viral and what goes viral is very, very often pegged to what drives emotions like anger, anxiety, sadness. Um, and so what is often most talked about isn't necessarily what is helpful. It's often sometimes that which is most harmful. So social media, so I mean, again, I mean, I don't want to use a vocabulary that alienates listeners, but what social media platforms generally do is to amplify content um, that the algorithms determine are very popular. Uh, and these can be engineered, obviously. You can get 100 people talking about something that appears to then be very popular, but it really isn't. Um, so there are a whole lot of ways that you can engineer that popularity. And all social media platforms across the, across the board, though, it, they, though they do it differently, are designed to amplify what the algorithms, keep in mind, these are not necessarily humans, what the algorithms determine as popular. Um, and that can be for you, for, you know, in your group, it can be something that is determined by your interests. Um, uh, and that's kind of, I'll, I'll end by saying that's, that's, that's the elephant in the room, because for example, um, if you go to YouTube, like my, you know, I have a separate research account for YouTube because the moment I search for what I have to search for <laughs> in my professional life with my personal account, I get a lot of recommendations that I really don't want on my <laughs> YouTube. As you can imagine, but th that's the problem, right? I mean, YouTube thinks that I'm interested in this uh, and then it keeps serving up more and more and more of the more violative and the more extreme content. So you call them rabbit holes, you go down silos that the, that, that really don't end up anywhere good. Uh, and that's, I mean, very, very simply put the, the problem with social media, because you've never had a context before where you had the uh, 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 psychosis um, in society amplified algorithmically such that it leads to a greater shared psychosis. Let's take something perhaps as a balance to that. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Louis Armstrong. What a wonderful world. Why this one? I grew up with it. Uh, and I think it really resonates with uh, the doom and gloom that we often uh, times encounter. I, uh, I find that it is uh, his voice and the song are you know, are a, are a good reminder that the world we live in and were born to is better than our grandparents uh, left it, and that we should also be good ancestors to those that come after us. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue. For me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces 
should be talking about this today uh, earlier today i was on youtube and a comedian uh canadian comedian who i've always really enjoyed watching quite um you know kind of uh takes the mickey out of everything so i really en- i enjoy his i enjoy his comedy and i clicked on a new video of his today really looking forward to it and it was about the protests and i was expecting him to take the mickey out of that in fact he did not in fact he spent um 30 minutes being uh, making it almost sound like it was his usual way of doing things, but actually it was incredibly critical of government, of uh, very much in favour of the of the uh, the protests and um, and not at all what I expected. But in that moment, I understood something about what you're talking about that that how so easily you could these people who who you're influenced by the the things that are put in front of you change their way of um making you think by by taking you on from that journey i suppose that's what he did he started a new journey yep yep so how do we keep our kids safe from that kind of thing because that that's what really worried me in that moment i thought oh i'm an adult and pretty discerning but how do we keep this this is what worries me about the digital world our kids are living in I don't, well, I mean, the response may, may may worry some some listeners because quite frankly, even as a parent, I have long since given up trying to answer that um, in the manner that I think an answer would, would be would, would be comforting, which is that we can, there are ways to protect our children and our tamariki, there are. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's the reality, which I think parents uh, should really um, acknowledge. Uh, because that that acknowledgement is then a starting point for a conversation that we to have and we can have. The Office of Film and uh, the Office of Film Classification here in Aterawa has some fantastic resources and guides and conversational frameworks to kind of talk about these hard hard issues uh, with Tamariki and with youth. They have a youth youth advisory panel, so you have the resources and the frameworks here, which actually aren't present in many countries around the world. So you're ahead of the curve in that sense. Uh, parents, I think, very often want to appro- approach this through a censorious lens, believing that they have custodial control over all the vectors of news and information and social media. Uh, again, I'm sorry to say, you might want, you might find comfort in that fiction, but please remember that that is a fiction, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I, I, you know, it's also a style of parenting, and you know, I'm not being judgmental, but you know, with my son, I have a more open conversation about what he sees, who he engages with, what he thinks about the content he sees. Uh, and we have a conversation about that. Um, 
and he's obviously interested in my research. I'm obviously interested in what he sees, uh, both as a parent, but also I'm very genuinely curious as to what the algorithms put up um, based on his own interests, um, which are fundamentally different to mine. Uh, and and so we have an open conversation about it. And at the end of the day, I think we should trust Tata Mariki and youth as well. I think they are very, very intelligent. They are discerning. Um, they, uh, you know, we tend to undervalue their discernment um, uh, and, and their critical approaches to media as well. Um, so I, 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 I don't think condescension uh, is called for. Uh, I think that um, very often there's a confusion between the use of media and the critical appreciation of media. So Ooh. I think that's something useful to keep in mind where Tamariki and youth may be using things like social media uh, inordinately. In fact, part, you know, they don't, we make the distinction between offline and online. Sometimes people of a certain generation call it real world and online. Um, they don't make, you know, it's not, it's alien to them. What is on social media is as real and palpable and true and loving and, and, and things that they're connected to as that which they would in, uh, you know, engage with on an atomic level, you know, in, in the physical world. Uh, and so, you know, uh, what we need to do, I think, is uh, have an open conversation, an honest conversation, which I think is good parenting anyway, really. Um, which is which sadly in South Asia you don't have because you have a very hierarchical structure and you don't encourage really uh, Tamariki and youth, unlike I suppose the culture here, to really to, to 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 you know once they are of a certain age to approach parents as friends. Really, I just find that that's a more helpful way um, when they don't hide things as well because the moment you start hiding things is when um, all manner of harms uh, which they may not be able to identify and negotiate and critically engage with um, uh, may, may envelop and ensnare them. With, with adults, it's quite interesting because um, I've had some real-world encounters with people after I've had digital encounters with them. So, like, I've seen them and things they've posted or I have, or they've, they've attacked something I've said and been very unkind, and then I've seen them at the yeah. supermarket or down the street or socially yeah. and said, oh, look, what's going on? And they're, oh, no, that, that's my online person personnel yeah. you know uh, persona yeah. rather so so the, so with adults there seems to be quite a distinction between um this is my online persona and this is me in the real world is that the same with kids do they have an online versus real world or is that just always them i think it's terribly complicated they have multiple accounts they have multiple personalities which is not i mean it's not it's, it's not necessarily a psychotic or psychosocial or psychological um uh, cause for concern it's just that they have different lives. I have a friend who has one Instagram account for black and white photos, one for his personal and one for his professional color and black and white. So, I mean, different people have different ways. I mean, uh, I just have one account, but I'm of a particular generation and I use social media in the way that it suits me, which is not prescriptive, right? And so there's a great diversity of the use of social media, which is why I say that us adults, you know, are, are, are behind the curve in understanding how social media is adopted and adapted for Tamariki and youth. Huh? And uh, we should be open to that. Um, for example, I mean, in my part of the world, people who have not openly come out and said they're gay, you know, transgender, inquiring, you know, bisexual or, or queer, they have an account for that, for yeah. what they would consider an identity which they can't come out in public with yet or ever. Uh, and they have another, you know, a more heteronormative uh, uh, or, or, or a more publicly, quote unquote, acceptable identity. So there are various reasons why 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 people have different accounts, and I don't think that you can simplify it uh, into a, into a, a simple answer. Um, which is why, though, I mean, I'll just say that you know, you know, some people think that you you hit the nail on the head, though. In academic studies, you you call this a disambiguation effect, where 
if you are guaranteed anonymity generally speaking there is a greater proclivity to be hurtful and harmful vicious and vulgar and venomous um but if you uh, you know if you are if you know i mean new zealand is a family a fano or it's it's it really is actually you have very small degrees of separation um between your peoples and your communities which actually is really cool i can tell you that um and that translates into online engagement as well where you know the, the twitter for example here is is very different twitter back home in sri lanka and there are elements of that fano offline which manifests manifests uh, itself in online interactions and engagements as well um so so that you know adults for example would would interact with each other offline and online in 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 certain ways um but your question was actually in, in two parter because you can't necessarily migrate how adults interact and then try to understand how youth and children interact where does it go from here it's like it seems so like what's your best prediction for where does it go from here you know what we today talk about as social media is going to change and it's just going to be media youth and children are not going to be talking about social media for them it is media i mean there's no uh, they didn't grow up with newspapers and radio first to then talk about social media as we kind of distinguish it um and so it is going to be integral to how they see the world engage with it and engage with each other and see themselves which means that you have companies in silicon valley and it's never happened before playing a determined uh, i mean uh, quite a, a central role in how people around the world see themselves and each other and i'll just leave it there because i mean you know th- th- there's a whole podcast series around just that just that phenomenon uh the other thing is i mean you could talk it talk about it from a technological perspective you now have the uh, a phenomenon called the metaverse hijacked by mr zuckerberg um you know I, no, i'm i'm quite serious actually uh because you know this 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 was a concept from science fiction and literature which now a single company has taken upon itself to kind of go on to define but even if you take it as face value you're going to have 3d avatars and you know a, a 3d alternative world uh, like ready player one you know the movie and the, and the book that came before that um that might in a few years be a reality certainly in aterawa um and you're going to have lives lived out uh on on these platform relationships built relationships broken politics optics pandemics uh, everything that you uh, you know listeners of a particular generation would have grown up with without social media is now going to be negotiated as a consequence of social media uh and so the future is neither bleak nor is it positive it's in our hands um but the but but the elephant in the room is to what degree do we control companies that are not within the contiguous territory of our terawa new zealand are they interested in peace are they interested in democracy are they interested in gender violence which is prevalent are they interested in securing our tamariki and youth from harm are they interested in what helps us and our better angels be a better version of ourselves and our societies or are they just interested in profit these are hard questions that i think we think we know the answers to today but may change and grow more complex in the future so these are these are these are social necessary vital questions that we should be asking school society government and at international fora as well and sorry may i just add that i think aterawa is 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 a leader in you know with the christchurch call um with uh, pm adern and president macron creating a platform where companies can come and talk about the ways that they can um stop terrorism and stop harms 
uh, from being present on and being amplified by these platforms. Uh, the degree to which the Christchurch Commission report calls for social cohesion, with Professor Spoonley and others talking about it in a December report that follows up on those recommendations, and a number of other ways that I think the country is embracing, grappling with, certainly, but embracing the need for biculturalism and moving forward multiculturalism, which is invariably going to involve social media, I think that the country is a template for others to, if not emulate, then learn from. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arhanui, kia koutou, patahoho. I hope you're all having the best day. All superstars in your beloved universes, I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you and each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and heat-making. Thank you. Now I know that for us all over the last several months and years we've been having to navigate being in the midst of a global pandemic and for all of us it's so important that we remember to be compassionate, to be kind, to recognise we have been doing our best and we are always just every single one of us and when we can to give ourselves the opportunity to rest and recharge in what is a very draining and tiring time. Of course we find ourselves surrounded always by a sense of love and the love that permeates each living being. The love that we can feel, the love that we can express and the love that we can be celebrating. And this of course is a great comfort in difficult times. Looking back through our lives, remembering those moments and those times of connection and love can be so helpful. Also going within to our inner sanctuary and enjoying tuning in with the love we carry inside us all. And spending time with this love, feeling embraced and buoyed up by this love. Feeling secure and safe, knowing that love is always there for us whenever we should need it. And of course enjoying seeing that love embodied and exemplified in those around us each day finding moments and time and ways that we can be present and connect with one another. That even behind our masks we can smile, that our eyes can communicate so much love and appreciation when we do interact. And that each day gives us so many moments in which we can really appreciate what we have that surrounds us. As we head towards Valentine's Day, where globally we celebrate love, so important for us to acknowledge and be grateful for the love that we have in our lives, whether this is a romantic love, the love of our friends and family, the love of our pets and companions, the love of our living world that surrounds us, that we are coexisting, co-evolving with in an infinite web. The love that we have experienced, the love that we will experience, all the love that has made our lives possible that has come before us over billions and billions of years. So I really hope for you, wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, the sense of love and compassion, kindness, gentleness can be felt as a supportive influence in your life. That within you, you can feel those eternal reserves of love, of joy, of appreciation, of gratitude 
and I hope they can make your days easier. I hope they can imbue your interactions with a sense of hope and I hope that they give to you a deeper appreciation of the treasure that you are and I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. Tanjuna, you said uh, a while ago at the start of this, this, this conversation that the tensions inherent in social media have been more apparent in places like Southeast Asia for a lot longer than those of us in the in the privileged north have um, have had. We're seeing lots of tensions come to the fore at the moment. I think you called it over the weekend splintered realities. Is there anything that we can learn from that longer experience that, that places like Southeast Asia have had with these, these tensions over, over the media, for how we deal with things like the, the protests that we've been seeing recently? Southeast Asia and South Asia, basically every other part of the world apart from the global north. Um, and it was the instrumentalization of social media for the worst amongst in society who seeded and spread hurt, hate, and harm. Long before, years before, these companies and these platforms noticed uh, of, the, of the problem and only started to when it was hitting their own capitals. If anything, uh, uh, listen, I mean, your question, and I hope it is one that is true, but is based on an assumption that these companies are willing to listen. <laughs> and I must, I, I must be very, very honest with listeners. People of my color and those from the global south, we have no great hope about this. Um, but we continue to hope uh, and risk disappointment. And it is in that spirit that I share some experience that we've had uh, over many, many years in that there is no technological solution. to this. Um, We need to figure it out in society and offline. Um, we need to figure out how our communities interact with each other and in very importantly, negotiate difference um, and, and see difference. Uh, not as something to hate, but to accommodate. And if not embrace, recognize is an integral part, democracy. Um, so that's one really large part of a discussion that we often don't have because very often we think of social media companies and technological solutions, which is, of course, also very true. There is a lot that these companies can be doing. That is, <laughs> that is my doctoral research. That is for exactly on the day of this recording, what I have been doing without a break for 180 days um, since August 17th, 2021, without pause in Aotearoa, New Zealand, looking at the degree to which content seeded and spread here are leading to harms in ways that these companies can and should be doing far more based on publicly stated policies to contain, control, and curtail. And that is not happening. You know, I'll share with you that one of the interesting things is that I thought this was a problem in Sri Lanka and the global south, but it seems to be a problem even in predominantly English-speaking countries like Aotearoa in the global north as well. So there's a lot that the companies can be doing, but I think that the solutions, if anything, that my experience suggests holds value for the future is that there are offline conversations amongst ourselves. And this is, I mean, you think these are not huge policy conversations. These are conversations between, you know, families, parents, caregivers, grandparents, school, university, amongst, uh, you know, when we're in the shopping line, you know, these are, these are social conversations that we should be having around how to deal with all of this, along with our policymakers and with our technology companies. You said before that social media has, is dropping the, the social and that it's just becoming the media. Have we dropped the social in a way that we've forgotten how to have those offline conversations? If we try and have a conversation, are we going to have it online? We 
I would love to believe that we still value face-to-face, <laughs> you know, communication. I think the pandemic's changed that a bit. I think that the pendulum's shifted for, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, but I think it's going to shift back. Um, I certainly miss face-to-face conversations. Um, I've not gone home, uh, you know, at the time, at the point of time this was recorded for over two years. Uh, and I miss, you know, Fano, my Fano, uh, my son. Uh, and having those face-to-face conversations. But yes, I think you, 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 again, as ever, you have the answer in your question, which is that I think in the future, we are no longer going to be able to distinguish between when we say a conversation, um, whether that conversation is online or offline or some sort of hybrid, hybrid, hybrid nature. Um, and as always, I mean, listen, I always look at it in terms of what is the story and what is the substance. If the story is compelling, if things like this conversation, uh, you know, uh, galvanize attention, I don't think it really matters whether we are face to face or whether we are connected over some sort of uh, technology. It's the story, it's the substance, it's the human connection. At its best, that's what technology does. It connects us. There's an ethereal, ephemeral connection that lasts, that I think that is the same over technology as it is face to face. And I would hope that that is what these companies, our societies, our governments, and all of us contribute to moving forward. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Who have you got for us next? I've got a, I've got a, a Sri Lankan uh, singer-songwriter. This is a fantastic song because, I mean, it's an evergreen hit. Um, I, obviously, your listeners wouldn't understand the lyrics, but I chose it because Sri Lanka was colonized by the Dutch and the Portuguese and the British. Um, and uh, we have a very syncretic culture. So the background rhythm to this song, which is sung in my language, Sinhalese, is actually from Portugal. And baila, which is what we dance to, has Portuguese origins. So it speaks to my country's syncretic cultural traditions, which are being contested by uh, my own government uh, and a very, very, um, well, I've been, I'll, you know, very, very problematic perspectives on race and history. So I, I, I love this song because it's a happy song and it reminds us that we are many and not one. So this song is sung by Lahiru Pereira, who's a Sri Lankan singer-songwriter. Pero 
And, you know, we, we've seen lots of changes in society over the the last couple of years. What changes do you think are going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope is going to stick? We are invariably going to grapple with more violence. And by that, I mean not just which, you know, listeners may, may, may immediately gravitate towards terrorism. But violence is interpersonal. There's a dynamic of... Uh, relationships and engagements and the way that we talk with each other on the street, online, that can be quite violent. And that then raises the temperature, which may give rise to offline consequences and greater harms as a result of that more violative expression and vocabulary used online. We are going to really have to grapple with it is real, it is happening, it is growing at pace. And I think for most listeners, it really must be underscored that this is not something that is alien anymore to our Terawa New Zealand. 
and that your that the country's and her geographic exceptionalism and distance from the world is going to inoculate her to any degree in the future if at all it's really giving a sense of urgency to measures that really must be taken now not tomorrow around how we can strengthen and support and amplify social cohesion this is something that's real we need to acknowledge it um with regards to what i hope will stick is what i hinted at before and that technology and social media as you your experience that you shared can be a very positive thing um activism human rights advocacy bearing witness to human rights abuses pro social conversation pro democracy activism and advocacy uh helping people come out with their gender identity helping people come out with whatever that they want to come out with whether it's arts or baking or political uh content or music or theater or culture or whatever it's today a very low bar for you to kind of put it out there which again has you know has no precedence so the democratization of a voice may well lead to greater violence because of the centrality that the more violative voices have as a consequence of the ampli- amplification through algorithmic means but the the balancing act is not just algorithmic it's also the degree to which we see ourselves and the cultures and the values we instill so i'll give you one concrete example i am overjoyed that this year is when in our terawa we will start teaching history in school you know one wonders and is perplexed by why it took so long but a lot of your countries and my countries problems today are a consequence of our inability unwillingness and ignorance of our past and so one hopes that you know small measures like this which are not really technological will have an impact in the manner that we address ourselves see ourselves and talk and interact with each other offline as well as online so technology has a central role but i would never say that that is what we should only be focusing on either sanjana i have some questions to end the show with and almost negative time so we're going to have to rattle through them what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years helping to understand and then explain and present that social media is not just for hate hurt harm violence and antisocial behavior and patterns but that it is integral to help and democracy and everything that we would consider positive in society and should be amplified more and that the challenge is that it's simultaneously present and the degree to which we 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 strengthen the good while dialing down the bad we're writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes it's our team of people doing good work so you are most definitely in that team what's your superpower what's got you into the mansion what <laughs> what it 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 is to give voice to those who don't have it um it is to articulate um pass the mic on and suggest that um if i can do it so can you uh and that uh, very often we tend to be depressed by what we read engage with and hear but that there is positivity and potential and vast strides for progress to be made if we understand both the limitations but also the power of technology to transform give voice strengthen and amplify our better angel i am a perennial optimist because you have to be one 
Um, and that is, I think, something that I really strive for in the work that I do. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I am. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, that's a... Sometimes it, it is hard on some days, I can tell you that. <laughs> but you have to keep moving. And the things that I have studied that are good or bad have had fundamentally, really, very little notice that they were going to occur. You can, of course, when something happens, look back and say, of course, there was a guarantee that this would happen. But very often, you don't have a lot of heads up. And it's that potential for good things to happen and for the creation of frameworks that I think that we can influence um, as researchers, uh, the companies and the policymakers to take steps towards in, in a little way, with a light touch. No great illusions of grandeur here, but small steps, I suppose, is, is how we can, over a period of time, make sure that we leave the, bet, uh, the world a better place than what we were born into. So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Well, in the next year or so, I, I hopefully, all things considered, will be still located in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And uh, it presents a wonderful opportunity to really figure out how we can get this right, how we can... Um, the harms that we are seeing on the day of the production um, are going to have long-term implications. And I will be trying my darnness to figure out how they can be contained and controlled, how social cohesion can be strengthened, and how technology and social media in particular are going and will play an integral, inextricably entwined role in securing uh, was democratic potential. Uh, and so uh, from a researcher's perspective, is absolutely fascinating to be here and bearing witness to what is going down and on uh, and uh, to be helping in a very small way again to ensure that um, uh, she, she achieves her democratic potential, which, by the way, is a dream and an endeavour shared with home, which is Sri Lanka. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? <laughs> That's a very broad question, but um, I would say to not fear um, technology, but to, at the same time, whilst being open to debate and discussion, to be conservative around how you engage, to read much more than what one chooses to respond to, to not judge before one really comprehends and understands, but to also know that technology is not just all bad as much as it is not all good, and that it really is in our hands to determine how we architect it. Thank you for that. Mawera. Sanjana, I just want to say, Sanjana, I just wanted to say that um, I really have appreciated your time today and your ability to make sense of incredibly complex things and to give us something to think about. As I, I think I find the most difficult thing at the moment is just being a parent and trying to help my children navigate stuff that I never even imagined we would have to be working through and trying to make sense of it myself while helping them to make sense of it. And so you you and the work that you do uh, and the commitment you've made to helping people to make sense of this life that we live is so valuable and thank you. Thank you very much for everything that you've done and we're really lucky to have you here in Aotearoa. Kia ora. Kia ora. Now I
happy lately Thinking about the good things to come And I believe it could be Something good has begun Oh, I've been smiling lately Dreaming about the world at one And I believe it could be Someday it's going to come Cause out on the edge of darkness There rides a peace train Oh, peace train, take this country Come take me home again I've been smiling lately Thinking about the good things to come And I believe it could be Something good has begun Oh, peace train sounding louder listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Lennon, Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani. And from Dunedin, we've been joined by Sanjana Hat Tutuwur. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air.